Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back, my friends. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio Program on the clock for you. Welcome to all you podcasters out there. If you're listening on the podcast, Wendy Bell Radio, welcome, welcome. Easy to get, download wherever you get your favorite listening. Wendy Bell Radio, give us a follow, a share, a five-star review. We appreciate you guys more than you know. So I was actually sitting on top of my bed yesterday in the afternoon. And I was thinking about what I wanted to write in this closing segment for my TV show on Newsmax called Common Sense. And this last segment is always this opportunity for me to, in two minutes and 45 seconds, speak directly to whomever's listening. And it's something that usually comes from the heart. It has to. And as I'm writing this yesterday, my phone rings and it's Jerry Perna. She is the aunt of Matthew Perna, a January 6th defendant who was accused of being an insurrectionist. Now, Matthew Perna was many things. He was a son, a nephew, a friend. He loved the outdoors. He loved America. And he was there on January 6th. And he got sucked into the vortex of what many of us believe was a setup. And he walked through the building, taking pictures, looking around, first time in the people's house, amazed by the majesty of it, the paintings, the sculpture, the history, knowing why he was there that day was because of this love and a concern that what had happened in that election was wrong and that our respective lawmakers were about to make a very bad decision. And he was there to witness history, 
And he walked through in between the velvet ropes, you know, like insurrectionists do. And in about 13, 14 minutes, he made his way from one door of the building out the other side. And he was ensnarled in that horrific performance called the January 6th Committee. He was called every ugly name in the book. His neighbors turned on him. His local newspapers vilified him. And even though he knew in his heart he did nothing wrong, he couldn't take it anymore. And so one day, he walked up the steps of a ladder with a noose around his neck in his garage. And he killed himself. For what? Collateral damage for a narrative that Donald Trump is a danger to America and that people who love the idea of American exceptionalism, who believed that there was a conversation that was so necessary to be had about that election, whose voices were silenced, who were demonized and vilified, not quite as badly as Matt Perna, rallied together in that day to celebrate this great country. I answered my phone and Jerry was frantic. She was almost screaming, are you seeing what is going on at the Capitol? I said, Jerry, I'm not, I'm not plugged in. I'm, I'm writing right now. And she says, you've got to go look, you have to see. How is that not an insurrection? And I said, Jerry, I will, I will look into it and, and, and I'll call you back. And I want to know, how is it possible that 300 people who hate Israel and support Palestine are allowed into the Capitol building to disrupt the proceedings of the chamber, to assault police officers, to destroy property inside, to deface the walls outside the building with spray paint, how is it that those people are not insurrectionists, but the people who loved America and went to that building on January 6th are? And all of these people are desperate for you to believe that there is not a two-tiered system of justice in this country. Please. Stop. We see we see it every day because there are examples of it every single day. Now, what is more disgusting to me than this gross underreporting of what yesterday was, people demanding, demanding that Israel stop firing, stop this war, Israel. They're led and whipped to a frenzy outside by none other than squad member Rashida Tlaib, who I will say set the tone for her congressional aura, if you will, the night she was inaugurated, elected, if you will, right? And what did she say at her, at her party, her soiree celebrating her ascension 
into the United States House of Representatives with her young son next to her. She started yelling about Donald Trump and said, we're going to impeach the MFR. Now, hmm, calling a spade a spade here. Is it any wonder that yesterday, outside the Capitol, none other than Congresswoman Tlaib, who is a toxic, noxious, Israel-hating woman, would propagate a propagandist lie that Israel had bombed a hospital, that hundreds of people were killed, children, oh my gosh. Well, see, mm, you didn't care when it went the other way. And the story she was spreading, of course, is fictitious. It was not Israel. We know it wasn't. We talked about it on the show yesterday. But she rushed to that judgment real fast, right? Don't tell the truth when you can lie and you can get your way. This is Rashida Tlaib using her emotion. I'm going to get so choked up. Oh, my God. Two audio sound bites for you. You listen. You decide. Go. Continue to watch people think it's okay to bomb a hospital with children. You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos. And, and the people telling the kids don't cry and like let them cry and they're shaking and somebody you know this they keep telling them not to cry in Arabic they, do, they can cry I can cry we all can cry if we're not crying something is wrong oh my heavens well how do you what is what's a word for that besides theatrical right did you see any of the arrest video of the protesters inside the building as they're chanting and they've got signs free palestine ah, ceasefire ah, right some guy <laughs> there's a capitol police officer who's trying to get him up right he's like just get up I, I i've got your arm just stand up and we can orderly in a in a normal way get out of the building and the guy is flailing as though he's being assault i'm like dude you're such a bad actor So Tlaib is saying, they're dying in a hospital after a bomb. That's fake news. That's fake news. That didn't happen. And in fact, we have no idea if anybody was even injured when that Hamas rocket misfired and went and then landed in a parking lot and burned a bunch of cars. They dropped that story like a hot potato. But she's not done yet. She's got more to cry about, ladies and gentlemen. We're watching people it's genocide well Hamas listen and so I'm telling you right now President Biden not all America's with you on this one and you need to wake up and understand that we are literally literally watching people commit genocide and killing a vast majority just like this and we still stand by and say nothing we will remember this, but all of you, you need to know, I swear to God, Allah, you are on the right side of history. You are. You're doing everything possible to save lives. What is wrong with that? Uh, where are the fact checkers? Where, where are the fact checkers on that? Because everything that she just said was garbage. Israel's committing 
it? Isn't Hamas using its own people as like human shields? Isn't that what's going Aren't they the ones who went in and beheaded people? I mean, isn't that what? I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here before. Okay. Yeah, I know. You know, too. All right. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. And then I got a poll to drop on you. That riding with Biden. Oh, boy. That's not selling anymore, friends. Disaster poll numbers for Joe Biden. Surprise, surprise. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. So vandalism all around the Capitol. You've got these insurrectionists, these people who claim to be uh, from a group called Jewish Voices for Peace, demanding a ceasefire. I wonder if these people are going to be endlessly investigated by the FBI. If Bank of America is going to reveal all of their transactions of that day. If these people are going to be stalked. If the feds are going to roll up heavy with 40 dudes. With long guns, shields, and SWAT vehicles in the middle of the night? Of course not. The same way Black Lives Matter is allowed to mostly peacefully protest. Right. Please. But the good news in all of this, and I've got this this poll for you. This is on the NewYorkPost.com today, okay? People are getting the, the point. People are slowly but surely getting the point. And I know it's frustrating for many of you who pay attention to this program because we walk down this line with this road commonly. It's every single day, every single day. But every single day, somebody else is flipping on the radio and saying, wait, what? What happened? I need to re- I need to research that myself right on. That's the point. It is time long past time to get off of cruise control. Disapproval rating for Joe Biden hits record high. 58% in a new poll. What? This is the highest it's ever been. As he plans, of course, to run for re-election. You know that's not happening. He's hoping he can still be breathing by next November. Let's just call a spade a spade. A record number of Americans do not approve of Biden's performance in the White House, a CNBC survey released Wednesday found. He received particularly low marks for his handling of the economy. Why ever would that be? Janet Yellen tells us things are going swimmingly, that the economy is so strong. By of, of course we can support all of these foreign wars that we're doing and making a lot of money off of. Right? Come on. Come on, man. Also, foreign policy, 31% approve. Isn't it funny how those two things are so related? Among Democrats, 66% back Joe Biden's handling of foreign policy. What foreign policy? 74% approve of his work on the economy. Those were well below the 81% overall approving, approval rating from members of his own party. You don't get sub 40 approval ratings without losing large chunks of your base. And that is what is happening here, said the Republican pollster to, CM, to CNBC. Now, why ever would he be losing all of this popularity? Well, they're trotting him out more and more. People are hearing what he has to say. Brock has scrambled. He has this sound from yesterday as Air Force One is going to be taking off from Tel Aviv. Here he is. He's going to talk about why it was so important for him to go to Israel to meet with the people who have suffered unimaginable horror. Oh, my. Go. Virtually every mass shooting, every circumstance where a large number of people have been victimized and lost, I spoke to them. 
I learned a long time ago. But you go over in your life. When someone's going through something that is beyond their comprehension, they don't ever thought they'd have to go through. If they see someone who they think understands or maybe they're through something not the same but similar, it gives them some sense of hope. Oh boy. And I always get criticized sometimes on my staff because when I go to these events, I stay for three or four hours to answer all their questions. But it matters. It matters a lot. And, uh, oh. and look, I'm talking, some of you have gone through a hell of a lot more than I've gone through, and a lot more than other people have gone through. And you understand. So it's just, it's just, uh, people are looking for just something to grab. Oh something boy. Gives them some sense, sense of hope. And that's. All right, that's enough. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's almost impossible to understand what the hell he's saying because he's out in another universe. He has no idea how to connect words. What he's trying to tell you is because he uses his own tragedy which has been the basis of his entire political identity. He's going to use it here. He used it in freaking Maui. He used it at the transfer of bodies after the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan as he was watching his watch. He's using it now to Israel, to folks in Israel whose, whose brethren had been decapitated. Joe Biden, he understands. What? My man. What is the, what is the DNC doing? They're allowing him to implode on purpose. Don't doubt me. All right, don't go anywhere. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, this third House Speaker vote today. Let's take a deeper dive on who voted no and possibly why. Next. Welcome back, my friends. You're tuned into the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So let's talk a little bit about this vote today. Brock, do we have a heads up on what the time is of that? Is that another morning one? Is it noon? I have no, no idea, idea what time they roll We'll get our bed. best people on it. His name is Brock. We'll hopefully have that for you here shortly. But, you know, we have to talk about these votes for no. So the first round for Jim Jordan. And, and let's talk about why some of these Republicans don't want Jim Jordan to be the new Speaker of the House. They're going to tell you ridiculous things. He's the threat to democracy. Oh, please. Stuff it. He refused to validate the 2020 election and say it wasn't stolen. Why do you need to get people on the, on the record like you have all Democrats in lockstep as clone trooper acolytes as they are all saying the same thing? It was a safe and secure election. Right? Why do you need that? Why can't Jim Jordan question and say, uh, you know what? I really don't like what I saw in the overnight hours of November 3rd into 4th, 2020. And I think we should probably talk about that a little bit. Do not think for yourself. And I'm sure they don't like him as the head of the House Judiciary Committee. Because he dares to actually read the stuff that he's going to be talking to people about. And if Sonny Hostin says he terrorized her, well... That's a speaker I want. Why is everybody so anti-Jim Jordan, these 22 Republicans? Well, it's interesting that if you look at the 20 who just voted against him on Tuesday, 
There's like three different categories. And I love this. And I'm ripping them this off from a guy on Twitter called Greg Price. And I enjoy Greg Price and his thoughts. He's in, in these things and he does a lot of the dirty work that we try to do too. And he says, for speaker, all of these holdouts against Jim Jordan fall into these three categories. They're either appropriators, they are defense hawks, or they are members in Biden won districts. All right. And this is what he means. You know, there's this old saying in Congress that there are three parties. There's the Democrats, the Republicans and the appropriators. These are the people who make up the bureaucratic industrial complexes and they want to be able to continue deficit spending like there's no tomorrow. I mean, there's absolutely no reason we should be having a conversation about funding anything other than Maui right now or helping the folks in East Palestine or, I don't know, helping get homeless veterans off the streets or actually feeding children who go to bed every night hungry. I I mean, who are hungry. Those are things I can get behind. But for anybody to say, oh, yeah, we've got the money to do this is clearly part of this disgusting machine. And so Greg Price looks at these. He says, of the 20 no's for Jordan on Tuesday, seven of those votes came from members of the House Appropriations Committee. Isn't that weird? What does Jim Jordan want? Hey, we need to rein in our spending. We need to get a balanced budget for the first time in 27 years, for God's sakes. Oh, no, he's a threat to democracy. Is that a threat to you guys? Or is that somebody who represents your values? Uh Uh-huh. That's what I was thinking. So who are these seven members of the House Appropriations Committee? Kay Granger, Mike Simpson, Mario Diaz-Ballart, Steve Womack, John Rutherford, Tony Gonzalez, and Jake Elzey. Then you've got your defense hawks, right? Pretty simple category. These are the people who are scared Speaker Jordan is going to stop them from being able to give an endless amount of money to Ukraine. Hurry up! We just got to get somebody in, they say. Why the race? Because we need more, more, more money. More money, no receipts. It's the greatest money laundering op ever, even better than COVID was. And that's saying something. Who are these people? Of the Jordan knows in this defense hawk category, there would be four members of the Armed Services Committee. Oh, this is so wild. Don Bacon, Har- Carlos Jimenez, Ken- uh, Jen Kiggins, and Nick LaLota. And then there are members... Republicans who are in districts that Joe Biden won. This category probably seems to make more sense to you. They represent blue districts. Therefore, they don't want to vote for a conservative like Jim Jordan. But here's the thing. There are several members like Brian Fitzpatrick, the guy in Pennsylvania, my home state, with the worst conservative voter voting record. It's like a 26 percent. He's terrible, right? He David Valadell and others who also represent blue districts who just voted for Jim Jordan. So what's the disconnect here, guys? What would make somebody like Mike Kelly, also from Pennsylvania, now twice vote against Jim Jordan and just most recently vote for John Boehner? What a moron. Do you really think the average voter in their district even cares who the Speaker of the House is What the holdouts have in common is that they are all freshmen members of Congress. This is what we told you about. Seven or eight of the 20 from Tuesday who said no to Jim Jordan have just been elected, just started serving. Huh. Are they desperately in need 
of K Street money in order to be re-elected next year? Anthony D'Esposito, Andrew Garbarino, Nick LaLota, and Mike Lawler among those. And on top of that, all but two of the 20 round one Jordan no votes submitted earmark requests for the latest budget. Hey, I mean, I know we're 33 trillion, but this is really important. So in the next overblown, ridiculous, pork-stuffed budget of suck, I need these pet projects in there. If you do that for me, then I will vote no for Jim Jordan, right? Is this why we need term limits? Yes, because if your number one goal as an elected representative of this country isn't about doing what's best for this country, it's not about fiscal responsibility, it's not about safety, it's not about anything except staying in the Beltway bubble, then all you're doing is constantly running for election. The minute you win, you're starting to run again. Enough. Enough. And all of these people vote against Matt Gates' measure. We need term limits. Put it on a floor. Put it on the House floor now. Right? So let's talk about that. And by the way, I want to pepper in a little, a little Nancy Pelosi. I know it's probably not nice for me to do this to you, but you need to hear the narrative of those who are scared to death that the Republicans might be able to coalesce and elect a true conservative. He's done with the spending in Ukraine. He's done with the bloated budgets. He's done with the open border. He's done with bleeding you and your family dry. He's listening to his constituents. That's not what this is all about, apparently. Listen to what Nancy Pelosi says, because it's very interesting. It's a line that has been used and abused by the Democrat Party ad nauseum. Go. When we've had a, a, uh, a speaker's race on our side or their side, we've always respected each other's judgment. But today and yesterday, that, that was an assault on our democracy as Jim Jordan assaulted our democracy on January 6th. I, I fail to uh, I fail to know what that means. What, what did he do? What did he do on January 6th? He failed to stand up and say that Donald Trump lost. That's a threat to your democracy. You know, I Googled that. Because it's been used a lot. It's a great it's a great excuse for being a, a scumbag, ne'er-do-well criminal in Congress, right? Somebody who enriches themselves does all the things that you and I would never dream of doing that end up costing us, right? How many times do you think threat <laughs> threat to democracy came up in my search engine? I think your face will melt off. Mine did. 154 million times. Threat to democracy. Threat to democracy equals anything that I disagree with. Somebody who doesn't want to take a vaccine, you're a threat to democracy. Do it, Right? Somebody who believes in, in closing the, you're a threat to democracy, closing the border. This is what this country was built on. It's a melting pot, a tapestry of culture and different kinds of people. How dare you? You're a threat. But the greatest one, of course, was January 6th, an insurrection, threat to democracy. It's so disgusting. So today we have another vote. Are they going to get him over the finish line? I don't know. We knew yesterday he was going to have people peel off and vote against him. 
right? For whatever their reason, their reason is not, save for Ken Buck, who is a crybaby. Who's a crybaby and an embarrassment who says, I just don't like, I will never, ever, ever vote for him. You know, whose sixth grade daughter talks like that? Most, right? So does he. Hey, Ken. Hey, Dawn. Hey, all of you. Your constituents are talking and they're saying that we're done. We're done with you abusing this country. We're done with you enriching yourselves. We're done with you creating false narratives. We're done with you getting involved in wars, not just getting involved in, but starting and then creating yet another money laundering scheme, which lo and behold, always ends up with you people getting super rich and, and we putting our sons and daughters in battle where we ought not be. And the collateral damage is never on them. Lindsey Graham, who says, bomb Iran. It's not his kid going over there. It's not his grandson going over there. It's yours. It's mine. As a mom of five sons, three of which in two weeks will be draft eligible, this matters to me. Jim Jordan represents the brakes on that. We know that. Look, I don't think it's a deniable thing that everything that we're going through is purposeful. It's planned. It's been calculated. It's been scripted. It's been premeditated. And that's disgusting. Because along the way, all these other things, all these other people are being damaged. They're clutching their pearls on the left saying, oh, we're all about inclusion. We all, we care. We're the emotional group. Everybody is welcome here. But go ahead and make sure you mutilate your child, right? Go, you know what? I'm sorry that your child got addicted to the fentanyl that we let across our border, which is made in China and comes through Mexico. I'm sorry. That's too bad, right? That sucks. You know, we're also the party that believes in full-term abortion because that makes absolute sense to everybody paying attention. We also think we should get involved in a war now in two different countries, right? And you should pay for it. And we need that speaker position locked down. This McHenry guy, he's fine enough. We've got business to do. We don't have time for these reindeer games. Let's get it done. That is going to be the cry today because Jim Jordan will not cross the finish line today either. And that's when the pressure is going to heat up. And you're going to hear the people from the swamp say, just get something done. No. Don't go anywhere. More on the Wendy Bell Radio program right after this. All right, so we got to get out to this. Brock just saw it in the break. Representative Jack Bergman approached for speaker position amid leadership chaos. I don't think the process of government constitutes chaos. But do know that there's this definite narrative that it should be looked at as shameful and somehow embarrassing that we have a caucus that doesn't agree entirely with each other. You do not have clone troopers is the Republican Party, and they want you to believe that that's a bad thing. Everybody should rally around. Well, hmm, let's check out this guy. Who is this Jack Bergman? I'm sure they're going to say he's moderate. Everybody can get behind him. Jim Jordan, whose Liberty score is like a 96%. He's way too radical. Way too radical. Oh my gosh. He's, he's ultra MAGA, 
right? The guy who wants to stop all the unnecessary funding of wars and he wants to tackle the budget and he wants to drill down on the de- so that's way too radical. We need to somebody we need somebody who's a lot more malleable. So we're going to push out this other guy, Michigan Congressman Jack Bergman. I, I don't even know who this guy is. Have you guys heard of him? I haven't. So we're like, okay, let's do his Liberty Score. LibertyScore.conservativereview.com. What is this guy all about? Well, in um, July of last year, he voted to extend chain migration to adult dependents of employment visa holders. That is not a conservative measure. He also voted that same month to pass the $817 billion defense spending bill, spending bill which didn't defund military vaccine mandates. Uh, he also voted last year to fund the war in Ukraine through the end of Joe Biden's first term with, you know, $40 billion of money that we don't have. He also pa- voted to pass the $1.5 trillion omnibus funding, Right. And that paid for Joe Biden's vaccine mandates. He voted to bail out the post office and stick Medicare with the bill. He voted to sign women up for the draft in the National Defense Authorization Act. This sounds like a leader I can get behind. What a what a conservative. What a fiscal hawk. Holy cow. Right. Please. And this is what they're going to tell you. There's too much chaos. They're never going to get Jim Jordan over the finish line. Let's all agree on this guy who has a Liberty score of a 57% F. How do you guys like that? You like that? I'm going to go with and no, not even close. Yeah, we were thinking too about war. What What is war good for? It's never good for anything. It always leaves ridiculous trauma and carnage in its wake. But see, the people who are caught in the middle, who are displaced, who go serve, who are blown up, who are killed, who lose their homelands, who have to leave, who have to begin again, they want to tell you that they care about you. Of course they don't. Did you know that since 9-11, America's war on terror has had some pretty staggering consequences? Think about it when we decided to go into Iraq. Weapons of mass destruction. We've got to go get them. 37 million people have been displaced since 9-11. Four and a half million people have lost their lives. And it's come at a cost in just, what, 22 years? Of a staggering $8 trillion price tag. U.S.-backed wars have funneled millions of refugees to the United States and to Europe. And over his failed 50 years in office, Joe Biden has championed these foreign wars and interventions. This includes the contentious NATO expansion and the U.S. meddling in Ukraine. Why is what happens in Ukraine so important to our democracy? There it is again. Russia is a threat to our democracy. Jim Jordan is a threat to our democracy. You know what a threat to democracy is? It's continually voting in people who suck, who spend your money like it's nobody's business. 
Polls show 80% of Americans are concerned Israel's war with Hamas in Palestine will lead to a larger Middle Eastern war. Americans should be worried. President Trump, remember, the first president in 40 years who did not start a new war. It is no coincidence then that the U.S.-Russia proxy war rages on in Ukraine while the Middle East stands on the brink of destruction. Joe Biden, of course, U.S. foreign policy establishment, once again running the show, once again wanting Jim Jordan out because he represents the stop. He represents the change. He represents the great awakening. He represents investigation. He represents belt tightening. He represents integrity. And all of those things are a threat to the democracy that Nancy Pelosi and the people in the Uniparty believe. Right? They want a certain kind of America. You don't matter but you're needed to pay for it. Of the 37 million people who have been displaced, 9.2 million have been from Iraq. Syria, 7 million. Afghanistan, 5 million. Yemen, 4 million. Somalia, 4 million. Pakistan, 3.7. The Philippines, 1.7. And Libya, 1.2. And now voices like AOC are saying we need to welcome a million Palestinian refugees or Gazans to America. Haven't we done enough? And if these numbers, 37 million displaced people on planet Earth, since we started fiddling after 9-11, it makes you wonder about 9-11 itself. Don't ask those questions, though. That'll make you a conspiracy theorist. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio program is on deck. So I have a question. What is more dangerous in your mind? Terrorism or the media? Great stories for you next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network.